basically um our podcast and usually what i what i what i like to do before inviting guests is um and i didn't have time to do this with you is i just always like prefer guests that have listened to the podcast before um, yeah because our style is not like rigid like people come here and they expect like cnn type i <laughs> know <laughs> <laughs> i understand i guess i'll just yeah. roll with the punches oh okay great not only just south africans but um for all of us in the continent because even though it's different styles and everything but just to have the one person that's leading the pack and doing um and breaking the boundaries in this type of digital age it's it's quite big and that's why that's why i love him man and on top of everything yeah. he's dope i also have i also have <laughs> a certain type of a level of respect for people that consistently keep to their passion and people that have improved over the years oh yeah definitely true because i'm somebody who's actually a diehard fan of of mcg was telling me i don't know he, he has like uh, more than 500 episodes or is it yeah i don't know but it's a like huge number it's a hugest number like he works works and as a person that does yeah. podcasts like, i know how much work like my podcast is so small compared to his but i understand the level of hard work that like is involved it in having to take out episodes. so much content consistently yeah no i can totally understand that yeah but let me introduce you guys sakes um this is naledi naledi this is sakile my uh my co-host hi sakile hello naledi how are you i'm good thanks how are you doing i'm all right i'm all right she was just complaining about you being late hey <laughs> lies <laughs> damn he's damn. using me i i didn't say that <laughs> uh, yeah but i mean I, i get it though i get it i was i was um i'm sorry about mm, that no problem <laughs> okay so since since today is um a celebration of africa day i must start i must start the pod off with something very africarish you know the vibes yeah um uh-huh. i must start with i must start with Sean Kuti saw me featuring Tandi Somazai Mazwai this one's called Milele the african woman is to be loved to be exalted to be handled with grace to be respected fiercely mama africa we salute you Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
in my in this is in my shrooms playlist, but I think it's it's perfect that I play it today. You yeah. Have a shrooms playlist. Yeah, I have a shrooms hey. playlist. Damn. Okay. I <laughs> I I never think about like I think about having them, but I don't think I have a playlist when I do. Oh, I have I have a playlist for shrooms. But anyway, that's besides the point. That's besides the point. That's my gym for. <laughs> that's my gym. For, uh, my gym for today. Um, Sean Kuti is the youngest son to legendary, to the infamous um, um, Afrobeat pioneer Fela Kuti. Um, he currently mm. leads um, his dad's band. I think it was called Egypt something. Egypt eighty, if I'm not mistaken. Egypt eighty. That's the the crew, and he's coming to Bushfire, if I'm not mistaken. So. Probably part of the people that I would have loved to see on stage at Bush. Nale, did you have you ever been to Swaziland? No, no, I haven't, unfortunately. Oh my god, have you heard of the Bushfire Festival? No, yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to come. Oh, okay. Have you heard heard of the festival? I've never heard of the festival, but I'm a lot of. South African artists coming over to perform and they post these videos and it always looks like a, um, a great vibe. Yeah, you should definitely. I think you'd have a. I think you'd have a nice time. I think so too. Before I even introduce you, though, um, you write na- your neighbor. What what stereotypes um, have you heard about Swaziland or Swazis? <laughs> and do you have like Swazi friends um, over there? I mean, I have um, colleagues from Esatini, uh, but I can't say we're close friends, but I do, I mean, you know, I work with them and I, I like them. And then I don't, I don't think there's a lot of, um, like, um, stereotypes when it comes to Esatini, except for what I always think is like, um, the women are really beautiful. Whenever I see like a, <laughs> I'm like, oh my god, it's a different kind of beauty. It's like um, I don't know if you know, like like Corsa girls. Uh, and, uh, South African girls are beautiful. Like Corsa girls, yeah, Corsa girls. girls. God damn. Yeah, yeah, Corsa girls are so beautiful, and uh, so whenever I see like a uh, girls from your side, I'm just like, oh, this is a different kind of beauty. That's the one thing, but I don't think there's anything, I don't know, I don't think there's anything weird, Um, I guess you're lucky in that matter, the (laughs) the country's lucky in that matter, because you know, um, tribalism and kind of, what what can you call it, nationalism can be kind of rife in Africa, everybody has their own tag, in Mm. a way. As all families do, you know, like siblings. So, you know, each sibling has their own little tag. But I don't really know any negative thing um, people say about um, certain people. Wait, do, okay. do we even have one, though? I don't think we have one, though. Like a negative tag like that? I don't think we have one. I think we do. Like South I Americans mean, what do you... slow. Slow? Yeah. No. Like Joseph's fast. Joseph's think... fast. Nah, not slow. Maybe um calm. Naive. Because yeah, peaceful. That's always something peaceful, yeah. Peaceful and calm. That's I think that's always something yeah. uh yeah. That's always something people think about uh people from 
a certain like very calm i think because the language in itself is you know like um sutu um mm-hmm. sutu is a very loud naturally loud language so you're happy you sound really loud you're calm you sound really loud um though the language itself is really loud and so um um swati it just doesn't have that even when a person is angry just it seems so calm like are you angry right now or what's going on i don't know yeah. so the person you guys don't think it's hectic but it's oh, it's God. not and you know the are known f- are known for certain things as well like oh zulu people are violent or yeah. they they won't understand somebody else's language if you, if you're speaking a different language they'll just be like angicela ngicela ushuchaza ukuthi ushukuthini siminang understand so mm-hmm. it's i mean it's a stereotype but yes zulu people can be stubborn <laughs> <laughs> okay. my mom yeah. zulu so i know trust me Yeah, I'm also I'm half Zulu and half Sotho, so that's why I feel like I have a right to say things about um these tribes. Yeah, that, my mom's half I know, Zulu. Like... Mm, I know <laughs> I know they can be very very stubborn. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, let's introduce this. Welcome once again to yet another interesting episode of the Opener podcast. This is a special episode of Africa Day celebration. Um My name is Busiso Tlamini those that know me call me the pen addict I'm never alone I'm with my boy Sakes what it do my G yo today we decided to have a very special commemoration of um Africa Day this is um a day that has been celebrated since the 25th of May in 1963 where um the f- founders of the organization called the African Unity uh decided that they would what what is now the african union decided that they would meet and um create or build greater unity and solidarity between african countries and its people since then this day has been celebrated widely across our our Af- our continent uh, to signify our identity and our unity um me and sake so it fit to celebrate this day because africa is has been going through a weird time especially southern africa with conflict and all and This is ironic because currently uh we the African Union has agenda 2063 which seeks to realize um African people's aspirations for sustainable growth and development. So we felt like this was a conversation that was needed especially given the theme to this year's celebrations. Um we have a very special guest today with us South African journalist um Naledi Sikakani. Thank you very much Naledi for taking your time to be with us. How are you doing, ma'am? I'm good. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Um thank you for joining. Um as always I hit Naledi. <laughs> I think our guests are going to kill me. Hit them last minute, eh? <laughs> no, it's okay. We like us. So so we really do appreciate you uh being with us. The theme to this year's Africa African Day celebration is strengthening resilience in nutrition and food security in the continent. Um yeah. ladies and gentlemen, uh what does this this theme mean to you guys and what does the 
commemoration of this day signify to you as an African young person? Okay, I think I think Nalidi, you can go first. Um, I think it's just it's important because obviously uh, we need to we need to kind of become self sufficient as as African nations, especially when it comes to to food. Um, we also have like a huge malnutrition problem. We have a huge obesity problem, and these things are like. Um, they start from early on when we were so young and you have like stunted children and stuff and by the time you're five by the time you're five really you're um you're already prone to so many diseases because you just you know your, your parents were doing the best they can and they weren't providing the kind of food that you need and so there's so many factors that come into that and it's just something that um, I've written about like a lot and it's important to me because I've observed it as I've grown up and I've thought, oh my God, it's so insane how we're, um, our lifespan, our quality of our lives um, as Africans, it's all affected by literally what we eat. And um, a lot of people, if you were to ask them, they'd feel like they're not in control of what they eat. And moreover, it's just a matter of survival and less about looking at whether you're nu- like you're nutritional, or nu- like you're having the right nutrition or not. And that's something we really need to change. Okay. Um, Six got lost there for a minute. I think he's going to join us. So we're just going to continue the conversation. Um, okay. In a... I think before COVID, if I'm not mistaken, our, our continent, our lady, was, was estimated to have a population of um, about 1.25 billion uh, people. Yeah. And it is the fastest urbanizing continent, you know, with a growth rate of more than 2.6%. We also have yeah. a large population of, of the youth, which I would think presents a, a potential demographic dividend that if adequately leveraged you know with the right investments and all could contribute towards accelerating sustainable and equitable development where do yeah. you think african leaders are currently getting it wrong um i think one of the biggest problems we have and have just have always had really is um leaders make these decisions without asking people the actual like you know the actual people um what their needs are so you know make it trying to find solutions for people without speaking to the people and asking them what solutions do you think uh, you need is just the weirdest thing that we do as society even as media we're guilty of that something happens in 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 especially in like um, previously disadvantaged communities and we go and speak to NGOs or who we call um, civil society but we don't go and speak to the actual people who are affected mm-hmm. by things like this, things like poverty, um, things like malnutrition, um, uh, things like babies being stunted and, and, and things like that. So I think where the government is getting it wrong is not going to the people to find solutions. They just um, maybe trying to follow the West. Obviously, trying to follow the West. Yeah, always um, trying to follow the West. Yeah, like always trying to follow the West, and and those solutions they we are diff- It's different continents, and we are at a different stage, and and we have a different history than um, 
say the Americas or, or, or Asia or Europe, and um, African leaders are just refusing to see that. Talking about where African leaders are getting it wrong in terms of not uh, focusing on local solutions for local problems, um, and yeah. how we we tend to not go directly to the people that are affected by poverty at times. Um, well, maybe to try and why, why I said it's an interesting time in Southern Africa is over the last year or a couple of two years, a lot of, Afri a lot of Southern African countries, including Eswatini, have gone through a political turmoil. And yeah. we know what that usually means for food insecurity. Swaziland already has a food insecurity problem. South Africa already has one. And conflict means hunger under any circumstances. So where do you think, how, how has um, the pandemic affected food uh, security in South Africa? The, pandem the pandemic was, I mean, it affected, uh, firstly we had, you know, the first um, kind of rush when it started, you know, when people were like buying in bulk and, and things like that. Mm -hmm. And then, and then that was like the the first big sign where it was um, everything that was is wrong with South African society was kind of like every a spotlight hit it because now it just showed the privilege. The privilege could go buy um, goods in stock and leave supermarkets empty, and people who were eating from um, job to job, hand to mouth, couldn't stock, couldn't stock up. And they also couldn't work. So it is just um, dire hunger, um, which is part of the reason why the 315 um, grant was introduced because people weren't able to go do peace jobs, nothing, because we've had like the longest um, lockdown. Um, we've had the longest lockdown. And um, after that, after like things started to ease up, then it was the, um, I don't know who's regulating the food industry, but they seem to just be making up prices on their own, honestly. Uh. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like they, somebody wakes up and decides. The lady, trust me, the South, the South African Competition Commission, the South African Competition Commission is so much better compared to the Swaziland Competition Commission, but that's a conversation for another day. Oh, I was picking up the South African Competition Commission. I was saying they yeah. had um, the landmark ruling with data and another landmark ruling with the um, PCR test thing in my jig. And those and those rulings, I kind of think, had an effect in in, in, in the prices in Swaziland. Yeah, and they did do a, a good job with that. There was also like the ridiculous pricing of um, personal protective equipment which went down like significantly after that and has stayed there. We're thankful for that. But when it comes to um, the, the food market, especially the fresh, pro uh, fresh produce market, yeah. it is ridiculous. You know, those, um, there's those things, if, you, if you're like, if you're uh, raised in a certain way, especially in rural areas, there's those foods that we used to look down on because they were just readily available. Things like cabbage, beans, um, potatoes, 
people would say, oh, I'm so sick of eating potatoes. Or if I grow up, I'm going to be eating meat all the time and never have beans ever again in my life. And those are the things that are ridiculously expensive now. You can't, nobody can, you're actually rich now if you can afford beans. Because, like, <laughs> yeah. Damn. <laughs> you and, and uh, you know, Lesisha City is uh, Ambanela Pondo. Like, it's Udo, it's Ambanela Pondo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And they say, well, I'm going to pay because if you buy like <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. No, so, yeah. Right. yeah, so all these things we, we, we that were like readily available before have just become ridiculously expensive. Butternut, um, pumpkin, people would have pumpkin all the time. It's jingy that um, I don't mm. know. If, I don't and yeah but that have this thing that have it's truck and you know all these traditional foods that were ve- vegetable centered yeah, yeah. and now exactly and now that's become that's become fancy actually it's become fancy to have butternut or pumpkin which used to be a, a, like a very basic thing because the prices for those things are ridiculous like we're we're being um not no, I have a theory about that now lady like the yeah. the, the that <laughs> that industry in SA is controlled by white people. Yeah, of course. So you know what that means. So <laughs> before we get racist, <laughs> I know. What before before I know we get racist, you know what time it is. But before before I sound like the EFF. <laughs> And uh, it's it's really sad because the people who suffer um um the most vulnerable groups in 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 the in the country children are suffering they malnu- they malnutritioned their growth is stunted um they they're not doing well at school you know we have like um a real education problem which i mean it might seem like i'm grasping at straws if i'm linking it to nutrition but it kind of is um children at like grade um eight year olds at like grade two can't read um even mm-hmm. up to grade three can't read in in essay like a, a huge percentage like out to 80 percent can't read so which would mean that they started grade four to learn how to read and some fall through the cracks i guess if their parents pay some attention and stuff they then they move along i don't even want to mention maths and science so i mean it's like everything so so there's a proper like there's a direct link between um um, the lack of definitely yeah, without the kitchen scheme um a lot of our kids cannot perform at schools like that's why that scheme is so important that kids get food yeah. at like there's uh, yeah. um, fact i wrote that, like, i wrote you, about it you're hungry you can't concentrate yeah you can't concentrate yeah. i wrote a, i mean i wrote about it this past weekend sakes um i met i met someone that's at varsity now and they were telling me their life story on some yo fam. My entire high school life, I had to have a really close relationship with the kitchen staff because that's where I used to get my dinner. Imagine. Mm-hmm. You that's understand? So like, we, if if you don't face these things, maybe you don't understand the gravity of the situation because you go home and you have a plate. You know what I mean? But there's there's a significant, there's a majority of our population that can barely afford. 
12 mil in the table and you can just imagine trying to learn and trying to study on an empty stomach every yeah. day you know that's it's, that's wild even even the type of food that you eat i mean as we grow up and i mean in this podcast we always talk about it eat healthy try to fat, try to exercise and what not that's something that yeah. as black people we're not taught as kids you know la lady just talked about how we always like yo when i grow up i'm going to eat like a lot of meat we think that's the vibe but as you grow when yeah. we now have access to more information we understand you how <laughs> you can't be eating meat all the time bro and yeah. you just also realize that our indigenous food as africans was how the right way yeah and it's so funny now cuz now it's it's termed in other ways you know vegetarian pescetarian um all whatever and then you have all these um black people are gravitating towards it and they just like this is like a new age thing oh my god i'm vegetarian and they think it's like a fancy thing and it's just like man your grandma was vegetarian and she never told us anything about it like shut up <laughs> honestly like <laughs> yo like, Leave yo, us alone. For me with that, man. Get away. <laughs> <laughs> now you think it's like this. Yeah, have but y'all I mean, had, like, have y'all ever like had like vegan friends? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, kind of. Like I I knew a guy. I think I I I explained this to you this one time, Buddha. Um I bumped into an old friend and he told me that he was vegan and he was telling me about mushrooms that are a great substitute for meat. So that like, these <laughs> mushrooms are they kind of taste and like they're chewable as if it's meat and for a while i was like huh this seems like a pretty great idea but then i thought to myself where am i going to get these mushrooms no where am i going to get these mushrooms that are like meat you never got them no 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 never found them never found them (laughs) (laughs) well you should find them and plug us i want to taste them now (laughs) (laughs) Now, now imagine if you had to date someone that's vegan Yeah, that probably um, wouldn't work out so well. <laughs> no, and, yeah, it wouldn't because I, like knowing me, I'd probably just be like, "Yo, you know what? You vegan, you're going to sort yourself out." <laughs> Since you can't <laughs> say that to you, you can't you say can't that to girl. No, but you're going to sort Okay, I mean like when I say you're going to sort yourself out like I mean like like if like if my girl's coming, if she's my girl and she's coming over for like the weekend or whatever, um then I'm going to need like a detailed list of things that she needs. That those things are expensive, fam. You know how expensive those things are. Yeah, but yeah vegetables are very expensive. Yeah, see, vegetables right now in general are expensive. But then now, when you when you add in the vegan human being who that's all they eat, yeah, yeah, sure. Because even their snacks are like damn expensive, bro. They have snacks. What snacks? Oh my word. Like Dev <laughs> 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 snacks that I have to be gluten free um and not have like remnants of eggs or you know all these Yo, things you think gluten? are like harmless things. I don't know, but all I know is uh vegetarian people tend to not like that whatever that is. Cuz I probably like, should gluten. google that. It's not okay that gluten. we don't know. <laughs> let, me, let, me, well, let me see what's up Please. I'm, there's a whole gluten free what is gluten yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I genuinely don't care guys like I'm, I'm cool like I, I cannot not eat meat oh, yeah okay. I'm also so, a big fan 
Uh, so Google says to me, gluten is a protein found in the wheat plant and some other grains. Yeah, gluten is naturally occurring, but it can be extracted, concentrated, and added to food and other products to add protein, texture, and flavor. It also works as a binding agent to whole. Yeah, it's a bunch of shit, but uh, oh. uh, I, I don't so know. So I don't man. need meat. Why don't they like gluten? Gluten I sounds like know. a like gluten. You know, like gluten seems to be like a it's a good thing. No. Oh, like so they're not worried thing. about the so they're not worried about the Ukraine and. Russia conflict. Oh no, they, 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 they if if they are like real vegans, like yeah, they probably are very worried. But like maybe like, the by the by the way one that remembers oh shit yeah I'm I'm a vegan yeah maybe not. No, but yeah, but you just said to me you just said to me they don't like wheat, right? Yeah. Ta-da. Yeah, but- uh, oh shit yeah yeah. Yeah, they probably don't care. Yeah, they're probably safer. And also they don't have, I mean, ideally, probably they don't have like the normal oil we have. Because, I mean, it's a whole lifestyle. So you'd have your olive oils and the more, you know, your coconut oils and, and things like that. And that's actually better. That's safer than the normal oil, which is like skyrocketed. Um, normal being sunflower oil. Yeah, like sunflower like oil. It's literally like two hundred percent up. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. It's wild. But even olive oil is up. Yeah, but it's better. Well, olive oil is always expensive, anyways. But then the way it's gone up is better because a lot. It's not a um, something that everybody just generally has. So the supply and demand is there's not that much pressure on the supply because the demand is is not that high anyways people like the basic sunflower oil uh, canola and things like that yeah people i i people don't really care about olive oil like that yeah it's like a, it's an acquired taste i think it's like beer or olives or you yeah, can't or just avocados. Yeah. yeah, if anybody says i love olive oil i loved it from the first time i tasted it they're lying that's like, not true. Like, what is, that's a lie. Like, that's a whole lie. No, no what if I grew up at home and they were just using olive oil? No, if you the first time you tasted it, you probably were like, oh, ew, this is not nice. But then you get ah. used to the taste. You get used to the taste. I also um, have olive oil, but I mean, it took a while for me to adjust because my mom was just like, we're not having anything else. I'm like, oh, it's your house. So what am I going to do? Yeah. <laughs> okay, but it's weird. I still don't. I still can't quite tell the difference. Like when I eat, like Thank if I'm gonna see. cook with, if I'm gonna cook with uh, um, um, sunflower, sunflower oil or whatever, olive oil, I still can't tell the difference. To no, to me, cooking oil just smells bad compared to olive oil. But when I'm tasting the food, I can't taste the difference. Okay, yeah, yeah, I think. Yeah, that's, that's I guess because you're it. like you're used no. to it. Yeah. Anyways, um, getting back to 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 food insecurity, um, I was asking you about the effects of COVID, na lady, because of course this pandemic has not only denied um South Africans and Swazis and just Africans in general their right to adequate food, but it yeah. it has also exacerbated uh, the issue of unemployment. And I know South Africa has a problem as much as Swaziland has a problem with the issue of unemployment. And unemployment yeah. directly 
has has a negative effect to any household's food security status you know um if you were you were just saying if people can't do peace jobs i think you're also alluding to the fact that yo there's a lot of people that don't have permanent jobs or what you call sustainable um sources of employment so when yeah. there was a lockdown so many of them couldn't you know the way major economic disruptions which contributed to a loss of livelihoods yeah yeah to a lot lot of uh, loss of livelihoods and income yeah the, can, you, can you guys talk to the um issue of unemployment and its correlation to food insecurity in our continent Uh I mean I think it's the like obviously the biggest cause as you as you've just said because if you don't have money you don't have money to buy food. And even the people who do have money um because the average salary is um 3500 which um maybe 60% of it goes to transport because it, um of the apartheid system you know black um settlements or um what we call black areas were built very far away from from from, from places of work exactly yeah, yeah. so people are traveling for like 30 years uh, they 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 are traveling for 30 to an hour 30 minutes to an hour just to get to work and that's a lot of transport money so if you're earning 3.5 a month um at least 2000 is going towards transport now tell me Jesus if you're going to be buying uh if you're going to be thinking of buying avocados and things like that or you're just going to buy mealy meal buy a bright pack and be done with it <laughs> <laughs> now gonna now gonna that that depends that depends on uh, it's mean, just you that you need yeah. to think about yeah exactly and usually it's not it's um in and that person who's working earning that 3.5 is probably taking care of like six to eight people something and they were saying yeah i was grateful one of the ladies are saying i'm very grateful that i got the money uh when i did get the money i actually was just laying in my bed thinking about what are we going to eat with my sisters and okay the money came in she had to borrow money to get to 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 the mall where she could buy something and she came back with 10 kg milli meal and uh 2 kg bread pack um uh, small potatoes a uh, s- uh, small bottle of of oil and that's it and that's definitely not going to last you the whole month um so mm-hmm. that's what unemployment does people are just literally hungry actually they're starving people are starving they never know what they're going to have for um the next day that's not an exaggeration when you say i really don't know where my next meal is going to come from you like mm-hmm. look around for like two rand your bag you don't even have two rands in your bag that's how like dire uh, the unemployment situation is and usually in a family you find the whole family is in the house so if you're like i need a packet of chips you can't even ask anyone in the house because they all here with you from the morning till so it's like where am, where do you think i'm going to get the money from yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay six <clears throat> um You touched on earlier on you touched on and I didn't know this but you touched on obesity being a problem in Africa. Yeah. Um yeah. that that <clears throat> I I I don't know this. Um where where exactly is this problem very prevalent? Like which countries in Africa is this like an actual problem? 
Uh, well, I I could look up the proper stats, but in South yeah, Africa, yeah. I know for I know for um, a fact that in South Africa, it's a huge problem. Like we also have um, four, like in our top ten diseases, at least four of the diseases could be prevented if people just ate differently from when they were younger. Um, hypertension. You have uh, hypertension, heart problems, um, diabetes. Diabetes, yes, it's also that's a huge problem, um, and cancers. Uh, outside of HIV mm-hmm. and, and TB, which obviously you don't, um, that's not you don't get that because you're eating unhealthily. But um, having it not be such a huge problem and not be such a huge killer would be hugely affected by people being able to eat um, nutritious food because that's literally all you need to do if you're HIV positive or you have TB. If you eat well, the food heals you because food is medicine it's meant to be medicine but now we're eating a lot of starch you have a lot of starch on your plate a piece of meat no vegetables whatsoever because you basically just can't afford vegetables they're literally out of our reach vegetables have become a luxury there is a group Mm. that is called um the the uh peter maritzburg but it's it's peter maritzburg uh group for, for for social justice and they study i think almost every month they release stats on how much food prices have gone up and maybe they give proposals on what we could do about it so i mean they recording um percentages of nine percent especially in fresh produce like everything has gone up by around nine percent seven percent um and compared to to last year 14 percent. so every year and every month there's a huge um, things are going up by a huge percentage, uh, so it's hard to keep up. Even the middle class, the supposed middle class in South Africa, they're saying their budget is stretched. So imagine for a person who's completely unemployed or is in unstable informal un- uh, employment. What, like, what do you think is gonna? How are they gonna make um, a plan to eat properly, even if they do get hypertension yeah. or they do have diabetes? I, I had a colleague um, this past weekend tell me that the average middle class in South Africa spends their entire salary in five days. Oh yeah, that recently, that data recently came out, and people were actually laughing at like in when um, these publications came out, and you know when you see see it on social media platforms, and people were joking that actually the money is done in like twenty four hours, um, mm. which is probably true because. Um, when I spoke to that uh, guy from the um, social uh, justice and dignity um, organization from um, PMB, he was saying people prioritize firstly transport to get to work when you get your salary. So you leave money for transport, transport for work and debt because um, people are living in that cycle. So obviously your salary is not enough there. And then yeah. you use debt to supplement the salary. Next time you earn, you go get maybe a loan from Umashonisa or whichever system you have, or you go to or you pawn your laptop and do that uh, that loan, or however you get a, a loan. And then next month you have to keep on repeating that process so you have money to do whatever. So it's transport, it's um, debt. Um, and there are other bills and then after that people think about food so food is like the last thing they consider when it comes to to bills 
and Jeez. that's part of the reason why then you're eating completely unhealthy because um then you have to just prioritize do you want to get full or do you want to be healthy so you want to get full you're gonna have your pup your your rice and he was actually saying that people can't even afford to buy a, a, a pack of rice and a pack of pup now it's just it's either or you can't even have both mm. Jesus. That, that, that's the trend now people are not even buying both that's sick like everyone knows you at least if you, nothing else you're definitely gonna have pop and rice in the house but now even that is out of reach so you just buy a packet of that you buy some protein and maybe things to uh, soups um onions uh, tomatoes and if you can afford then you go further and, and, get, and get your carrots and the other vegetables you actually should be having. Mm. Jesus. Damn. That's crazy. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, yeah. I, um, I, I, I don't like um, always talking about the problems. I do like us putting some um, solutions. Um, I never like to, you know, Nadia, I always say this even when I'm writing, I never want to seem like the person that just complains and doesn't even give alternatives. Um, yeah, yeah. As as an alternative to buying food, um, I work with a lot of like, um, also a lot of the civic society in Swaziland and those that try to do with the issue of food insecurity. And yeah. what they, as part of um, their means, to, to curb um, food insecurity, they tried to empower rural households, especially, to produce their own food. Yeah. Now, this works in Swaziland because a majority of the people in our rural areas have land. And yeah. sometimes when you, when you empower them with the farming implements or the skills of how to, you know, farm in the new age so that they can commercialize whilst also making um food for 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 for, for their own families it it yeah. does kind of yeah it does kind of offer some help but there's there's there's, there's one fact that is still persistent there's a lot of people there's a lot of food insecurity around um what i would call townships in south africa and what i would call the suburbs in swaziland yeah because a lot of people don't own land in south africa if i'm not mistaken i think black people own about five percent of the land so yeah how how then do we <laughs> how then do we empower or how then do we say yo people should practice um agriculture when people don't even have the land to engage in agricultural activity um yeah let's go back to that conversation of and because obviously you know for obvious reasons what the government was has been trying to do now is try encourage um urban farming and not just because you know uh, people are going hungry in urban spaces but because that's where people are they they're looking for job opportunities urbanization is a huge thing um and then so they they give them spaces i went to one urban farm these people are passionate they they you know they're making their own foods they're selling some of the produce and they say nobody ever goes hungry because they get um issue from these places challenges they face um basic things like transports transport to get there and their transports are like 
26 rand a day so when you think about 26 rands um and and you go maybe 20 days uh, um a month that's almost 900 rands so um so if that is um if a person is earning like at 50 grand or 150 grand for a child grant so and they have to like invest 900 rands to get to 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 this um urban farm do you think that they're gonna have the motivation to do that because they also have it's not it doesn't it's not yeah yeah it doesn't make sense and and they get demotivated and things like that so they're saying we need yes we understand the government is doing this program it's called like an incubation they're gonna be there for about uh five years and if they run the thing well and it kind of sustains itself then they can be they can uh, they can get like bigger land and then they get to that land and they can work as a cooperative well it's eight cooperatives on that plot of land which is not really a lot it's just um it's not really a, a lot of land uh, to begin with so it's challenges like that people uh want to want to um feed themselves they want to do something everyone is like ah we're so excited it's better than just staying at home and we're happy to see the work of our hands growing life and, and mm. growing and feed us oh, excited okay. to do that feel they feel fulfilled fine that's oh. all hunky dory but is it sustainable are they not running at a loss? Are they not losing more than they're gaining? Um, and that's True. the thing I was saying about the government implementing things but not thinking about things all the way through. They act like they don't know the people they're trying to do these programs for are poor. They act like they don't know. They act like they don't know these people are unemployed. <laughs> and there's a water problem and there's cows and sheep and whatever coming into and trampling on these things because they the place doesn't have a fence and there's the basic most basic thing you need to, to plant water their place doesn't have water they try to build their own system you know when you fetch something from you fetch this whole system of fetching water through the pipes water water but an informal connection that they made themselves to make the thing work so does that seem like a government that actually wants to um see these people succeed or is it just so they can put it out in a new in newsletter and say ah the banbani municipality is so proud and take pictures with these people next to to a couple of cabbages and be like yeah we're giving land back to the people we're we're, we're, we're feeding the nation we gave a hundred square hectares wara, 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 of land back to people to farm and people clap you know but then in reality it's not working some of these people are like um a, a lot of them actually were shack dwellers so what they'll do they'd plant in the little space they have like it is a womkukwako you know you just do something a row of yeah. of um a row of spinach there a row of cabbages there uh, and when you think about it maybe they were better off doing that than traveling and spending yeah, so much money and traveling and then, all the and way then, yeah and, and then from there they can yeah. just like trade with each other and be like yo you only have this i have this so if, yeah only to be sabotaged before the thing even takes off if you if you're saying you really want me to plant and you made no means for me to have water in the thing no shade for me to keep my tools the tools get stolen all the time 
Jesus they vet get stolen so it's like and then you know what happens after that it, it's it's uh, it goes back to that conversation when it comes back to the conversation of land then it's like well black people want the land back but do they have the skills necessary to capacitate the ban 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 and it's like shut up guys your guys <laughs> need to shut up and are your guys even trying to your guys are, 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 are stomping these people's projects before they even start so how do you mm. how do you expect these are people who want to do things for themselves these are smart people these some of them are, are people who do have actual experience in the farming um who've been farming properly uh, for for over 20 years and they've taught other people so it's not a matter of skills and people can always learn anything you know it's a matter of um um the fact that they are coming from they under resourced is totally being ignored True, true. Yeah. Six. Swaziland. Um. Um. About sixty percent of our pe of our people live below the poverty line, and about forty five percent of our population. Um. I always try to even um raise this debt amongst conversations. Um. When I'm talking to friends, because maybe sometimes we are so blessed we forget where we live. Or we forget our surroundings and environment. That about forty-five percent of our population lives on literally less than twenty-nine malangeni a day. A day, yeah, I remember you telling me that. You know, so with people struggling to make ends meet, hunger in our country continues to be prevalent. You know, um, most of Swazis are chronically food insecure. Yeah. One out of three people in this country face severe hunger. That's a crazy stat. I'll say that, that again. One in three people in this country face severe hunger. This is I due to a number of facts: severe weather, severe uh, weather conditions that have hit us for years. Yeah. Which have affected areas where people would farm. But because our government has not empowered these people with skills of how to farm during droughts, and also because of funds that are not allocated towards um, projects um, that alleviate climate change, this is going yeah. to be a, um, a problem that persists and only gets worse. I mean, we're already seeing the effects of it now. It's already bad. It's already worse. So imagine now the effect of the pandemic is what I'm saying to you guys. <laughs> These this stats that I'm talking about are all taken before the pandemic. Hmm. So now yeah, you can that's imagine what things look like on the ground. So imagine what's what what's happening now. You guys think? I know we can only do so much, but away from governments, what do you think us as young people, six, um, as the young people in this country? What do you think we can do to raise awareness amongst ourselves to be cognizant of these issues and also take actions um, towards, you know, trying um, to work on this significant title of reducing food insecurity? I think it just, it can start from just being aware of the situation on the ground, what things are actually like. Knowing that what one in every three people probably suffer from severe um food shortage like not probably that, definitely <laughs> okay definitely definitely my bad knowing I, I think it comes from 
just knowing certain things and then you can move on from there now um i think oof we just all need to come together bro because like nalidi said at at the, at the stage that that we are at now people do want to help themselves they do actually want to do the work they want to they want to do something about the situation that they're in but if the situation is insanely difficult maybe not impossible but insanely difficult to come out of there's there's only so much that one can do now like i said we can be aware of the situations and we can try to come together pool in our different resources and see what what we can do on our own by ourselves if we can do anything at all i just think we need to empower more women to get into agriculture and to have access to land yeah that's Why also a very like a, vi- a viable a viable thing it's, i think it's land first is definitely a huge a huge thing that could help um and then people can try make things happen i guess if you really think about it before um before urbanization people really were making things happen for themselves in rural areas that doesn't really mean there were um everything was hunky dory but i mean people were creating wealth for themselves um almost um every household would have at least two cattle and more um and then they'd have their own garden and not just the garden like i'm a sim proper 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 i'm a simji that go or like a long uh, a long way so i guess land like getting land back to people is like one of the huge solutions and i don't like in south africa well, somebody from zim first of all was saying yeah things are really bad in zim but making sure that you know the land stayed with the people so um a lot of people really do have their own land and well agriculture is a huge thing in zim the country is is higher state has been going through a lot but they have their land you know they can build houses um they can um they can make a plan but when you don't have land when you're on the when you feel like you're on the outside of your own country which is what how a lot of um south africans feel like they feel like they buy like they guest um at the mercy of somebody else um they at the per- of their own of the own country so that's that's sad with out is how Zimbabweans feel they might feel like they want to leave and go to other countries and look for greener pastures because things are hard but they definitely know that they can sit or like properly have a plot of land and do the best that you can there which is really important okay now i think i think it's really important especially for our country um we, we know that <laughs> a higher proportion of female headed households are always more involved in food production than male headed households in our country yeah. um yeah. so i really i really think a matter of just availing land to a lot of women and access for, or like skills for them to really get into commercial farming would really help i always yeah. make i i always say this like to me it's crazy that 
Swaziland cannot produce enough onions for itself, but we have over 60% of the population unemployed and we depend on South Africa for all the food that we need. What is it a matter of Swaziland can't produce it or like not the kind of yes. uh, vegetable that grows there or something? No, no, no. It's not even we have arable land, trust me. With arable yeah. land, we have water with the land. What <laughs> the reason? Okay, the that's all we we actually even have the markets and certain policies that are right in terms of we have we have policies that would allow our uh, me and sex to have a business where we produce and uh, we're able to even export but yeah. the only problem is people are not empowered properly yeah because commercial farming commercial farming is not like subsistence farming you know it's yeah. it's about the quality of the pro- it's about the quality of the produce and also mm. it's very important um I, I personally think our young people, especially mm. the ones that um, are passionate about agriculture or just the new generation, we really, really need to understand the potential that agriculture has. Um, I've always said this. I feel I I feel like the next badge of billionaires and millionaires in Africa are going to come from agriculture. Now in Swaziland, it's a huge, huge gap. We just need to try and empower ourselves in terms of understanding the skills, in terms of also getting into e-commerce through agriculture. I think that yeah. could be a huge thing that could help us. We now have the means, we have the capacity as as the young people. It's it's really wild. We can't even produce enough milk. <laughs> even onions, as I made an example of it, uh, even yeah. rice, even pap, even our own staple food. Maize, we can't even produce enough of our own staple food. Yeah, I guess um, in South Africa, there they is like, um, oh, that is actually part of the solutions. If um, Africa as a whole, we can find a way to not need uh, imports because we're doing a whole lot of that. There's a lot yeah. of stuff that South Africa, we um, some we do produce, but we still import a lot of. And some of this like chicken, they've called it what? Dumping. That's what. There's um um a, a strike that happened in like the biggest milk produce dairy producer in 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 in, in this country, Clover, and they were saying the company wants to. It's a Israeli company that bought the company that was originally originated in in South Africa, and so they're saying oh the reason why, why they bought it. They moved, they closed all the firms that were like in free states and all these inland provinces and they moved them to places like Durban in the coastal provinces. I spoke to this one farmer who said he lost about 8 million rand because of um, a hailstorm which just knocked down all the crops he had. Mm-hmm. And he has like a huge farm. And so it's ridiculous hailstorms, um, floods. Uh, you know, Kezaden was recently flooded. You can only imagine how what farmers are going through because this is the second flood in in in, 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 in like a month basically. And the last one was so devastating. Uh, a lot of people lost mm. their lives. But imagine what it was like for farmers. So um, some organizations I've spoken to and asked them as well, like, what do you guys think is a solution to? The food crisis in South Africa that's kind of been here for many years, actually. Um, and they said 
they are proposing a model way we have we are what do they call it food sovereignty or something but there's an actual model that they're trying to build that's around what we were, were, were all mentioning here about um, being able to produce our own stuff involving more of the youth more of the women and and um, sustaining ourselves because that's part of the huge problem we have we're importing all these foods and we're buying them at ridiculously high prices okay um great 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 conversation lady and gentlemen um i think what in closing for me it would just to i mean the russia and, and ukraine conflict has just meant a huge drop in in food exports and it has triggered price increase of up to 100% yeah and up to 40% in staple foods it's it's threatening um a lot of, of people's lives uh, across africa and prayers yeah. our prayers love and light to everyone but it does show that africa really needs to work towards sustaining itself um and one can only one can only hope that as as we as we go forward we can have a lot of these women corp or these cooperatives in in our yeah. rural areas i think that's a great start you know we 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 have our people working together towards commercializing because also on, on those little farms they then take something for you know their own families and they also just gain the skill of farming you guys were talking about uh, people having their little small gardens next to their shacks i think maybe yeah. as Swazis we can also get into that you know so many families now don't even have like a small garden i think we can try things like that i think as as young people let's let's try and learn about food the importance of food our health i mean we have the information now guys so that's that's all i really am passionate about we have the information so for those of us that are blessed enough to be able to have access to vegetables and fruits let's let's try eat healthy man yeah it's very cool yeah yeah, yeah. um yeah and and around the world it's not even just an african yes i know it's africa day but um the issue of just food insecurity is 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 a worldwide problem and one can only pray and hope that africa just for the first time ever let's lead in something please <laughs> let's lead in something and let's lead towards trying to alleviate yeah yeah positively the yes let's let us let us lead positively please because for yeah. over you know Oh, oh my god there's a lot of conflict in our in our continent and as we as i said earlier a lot of conflict means people means hunger yeah and i just pray and hope that we 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 see less and less of these conflicts but thank you very much na lady for joining us you've been wonderful guys na lady was was i i wanted to invite her specifically because she she has a passion for human interest stories and um this is a very human interest conversation and uh, thank you so much ma'am for being with us once again i hope you had a great time with us thank you so much for having me i uh, definitely had a, a great time and it was very nice meeting you sakile uh yeah it was nice it was nice meeting you too um yeah great conversation we need to have a lot more like these a lot more obvious no i think so too i think so too definitely definitely na lady you will not be um a stranger to this podcast we will we will be hitting you up 
and I promise that next time we will have more time. It won't be as last minute. <laughs> next time, next time, the proper preparation will be done for sure. <laughs> and to the listener, man, if we you... rocked it for. We rocked it for for people who didn't prepare that well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think yeah, the conversation always. was genuine. Yeah. Always, always. And to the listener, if you're joining us for the first time, welcome to the Open Road family. If you are regular listener, thank you very much for trusting us once again on this audio adventure. For me, your boy, the Pan Addict, and the Open Road crew, this is we're signing we're signing out. Six. What's your song of the week? I don't have one. No, lady. I think you you can have this one. What do you what 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 song what song would you like people to listen to? What's your song of the week? Uh Tandy Somazwai Zabalaza. That's always a classic. Zabalaza. All right. Signing yeah. out to si- signing out with uh Tandy Somazai Zabalaza. Thank you so much for being with us once again. Till next week, love and light. Shout out. Huh? Oh